Hello, and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from, and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, there is always more to life. The last 20 months, we have come to know exactly what it means to have to be distanced from one another. Even in this past week, as Clint made a fervent trip up to see his father, who uh, experienced one of those near-life-ending cases of COVID, Clint shared with us what the journey was like as he was standing outside of the hospital, looking through a window, unable to be physically present with his own father. Many of you have experienced that in the sense of your journey together, that loved ones you cannot be with. Thanksgiving felt so different for many of us as the sacredness of the space, which usually pre-COVID meant we're going to be with in-laws and this could be frustrating, began to be a refreshing moment of time together. It started with a phrase last year called social distancing, and I never really liked that. I did understand and know the need for a physical distancing. Even today, as you visit grocery stores and retail establishments, you will see the weathered little stickers upon the floor and markers that tell you where you should stand, how you should keep your distance one from another. This was at the heart of what we wrestled with as a clergy team, thinking about what's the message of Advent for you and me? And what we arrived at in our hearts in a time of prayer is this. If there's anything that Advent should be about for us, it should be that we are undistanced from God in the coming of Emmanuel and the one cradled in Mary's arms. And as we are in the midst of these realities Uh, We enter this season of Advent and we have this time of expectancy to know that God is drawing near to us. The church celebrates this in the term of incarnation, God who enters into the human journey. And we celebrate that God is among us. God is with us. This challenge of the past year of isolation and distancing, though, has seeped into our spiritual lives as we have gradually become isolated one from another, first out of necessity, then it just became the habit, and now it's sort of the ordinary. And we seem to be all fighting our way back to a place where we are in community together, where we are intentional about being present and not distancing ourselves from God and each other. Today, we claim this truth in the life of the church, that Emmanuel does mean that God is with us. And we launch this new church year. And I'm sure all of you remember from last week that last Sunday was the last Sunday of the year. Today is the first Sunday of a new church year, and it begins with a journey of expectancy, a journey that leads us to Bethlehem, And we'll be guided today by the words of Scripture found in the Gospel of John, who proclaims that God is not distant, but God is near, and God is coming near to us. And we are called to be near one to another. We launched this series of being undistanced in the words of the Gospel of John. 
Now, a word about the Gospel of John before we simply leap into it. Um, another thing that's been heavy on my heart is that too often what happens is we seem to lay claim that everybody is on the same page as we approach Scriptures. I have noticed something which I call the COVID time zone, the twilight zone of COVID. Do you remember that? How many of you remember, you're about to enter a time and space, right? COVID has had that effect. As we have re-entered and reintegrated and brought folks back, someone said to me several weeks ago, when are we going to do thus and such again? And we hadn't actually done that at KMC since Joe Fort was pastor. And what simply happened is in this collective memory, we all have a different place in the past when we choose to re-enter. And what we're hungering for is, well, how does the church provide that familiar touch point that grounds my faith? And we're hungering for that. And we should embrace and celebrate that, that the church together is the place that we come to proclaim the goodness of God. But we should not make the assumption that we automatically pick up where we left off. My friends, there are some things that have died a natural death in COVID, which the church didn't need to continue doing. And what we've had to do is say, why are we doing this? And how does it serve our purpose? And it's been a beautifully painful process. But it gives us this opportunity to ask, why are we here? Well, we're here because we gather as God's people. And as we begin this journey of Advent, I don't want to make the assumption that we all remember the significance and the importance of the Gospels. Now, typically people will say gospel. It means good news. It's aeongelion in the Greek. And when we say the word gospel, we're talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, my brother-in-law, who is, um, what do I would say, not the sort of archetypal churchman, he's, um, but he has a beautiful perspective I love to listen to. He said, you know how I never forget the four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John hold the horse till I get on. That's okay. <laughs> if that works for you. So credit to my brother-in-law, the vet, Mike. We're going to look at John, but there's some significant differences in Matthew, Mark, and Luke that John doesn't even include. For example, the Gospel of John doesn't have a birth narrative of Jesus. It doesn't have Jesus' baptism. It doesn't have Jesus' temptation being led into the wilderness. The Gospel of John has no confrontations with demons. There are no parables in the Gospel of John. There is no Last Supper in the Gospel of John. There's no agony in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there is no ascension. It's when we look at the first three Gospels that we call synoptic, meaning that they look through and see together, that we see that there is a consistent message of one Gospel, but sort of a fourfold approach. The first three Gospels really focus more on what Jesus taught and did, but the Gospel of John, the, the Gospel of John focuses more on who Jesus is. For example, the Gospel of Matthew shows that Jesus came from Abraham through David and demonstrates that he was the Messiah that had been promised in the Old Testament. Matthew has more Old Testament references than any of the other Gospels. So sometimes Matthew will be called the Jewish Gospel. Mark is shortest of all the Gospels. There is this sense of immediacy that happens in Mark. He gives you odd little details, but everything seems to be happening in immediacy. Immediately then Jesus did that and did this. 
But Mark shows primarily that Jesus is a servant to all. And you see that lived out in Mark chapter 1, verse 9, if you want to read that. Luke has a perspective that shows that Jesus, in his lineage, he traces back to Adam. And, and he wants to illustrate that Jesus is the perfect man. Luke is the Gentile, and there's material that is totally unique to the gospel of Luke. And then we come to John. John wants to demonstrate that Jesus is God, that he came from heaven. And if you want a little historical reference, you can Google and research Gnosticism and find that one of the primary drivers, I believe, is that Jesus was confronting the idea that Jesus wasn't fully human and fully God. The ancient church father, Boethius, says that Jesus is the fully God-man, fully divine and fully human. John has seven different signs. Uh, they're not miracles. They're signs and wonders in the gospel. There are seven I am statements in the gospel of John. And then John shows who Jesus is in this connection to God by constantly providing for us witnesses that testify and speak to who Jesus is. Now, John's written for a specific purpose, and you find that really in John chapter 20, verse 31. John says, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So as we move into this Advent journey of being undistanced from God, we're going to look through the lens of the Gospel of John. And how this all begins. And I'm going to tell you before we ever start reading that you're going to find that John echoes a God of creation. And notice the connection between how Genesis begins. I'm sure all of you are at least familiar enough to help me. And if you're not, your neighbor is. Genesis begins, Genesis begins in what? In the beginning. That's the beginning of the Bible. And so listen carefully as you stand as you are able in respect to God's word and hear how John begins the gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. And read verse 9 with me out loud together. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work.
And as you are, let's bow together for prayer. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we gather, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve faithfully. And all of God's people did say, amen. I feel pretty hip. I feel like I'm really into the new stuff of the world because my friends, I want to tell you that we have cut the cord at the Palmer house. We cut the cord. Actually, we cut the cable. I got to get my words down right, right? So if I say the young people, I cut the cable, right? You cut the cord when you have a baby. You cut the cable when you decide to go all wireless. And that's what we are now. We have a wireless technology house. In fact, the finance team is looking at, um, you know, we're like every church trying to catch up to in the, finish the year strong. And I was talking to Frank Richter and we were trying to figure out how to do that and said, Frank, I got this. I got this. No problem. We have all these people who listen to us in remote broadcast. I can fix the financial challenge for the year in with one phrase, Alexa, send money to Kingwood United Methodist Church. All right? Siri, uh, Siri, how many phones am I waking up now, right? I mean, everything in our house is wireless. Everything, except for the one little wire that comes into the house to this little sacred object called the router. And if anything happens to the router, we're finished. We won't, sing the, we won't see the ring doorbell cameras. We won't have Wi-Fi. We won't have TV. We can't open the garage door. I mean, everything is wireless now, right? In fact, when the power went out the other day, we are so driven by our comforts. Sean texted me and said, we have no power. I can't get in the house. I said, ha, 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 use a key. She said, a what? You know, we never go through the front door. We just use the automatic garage door. I mean, we'll just use the Wi-Fi. We can open the garage door on Wi-Fi. I can talk to my dog through a ring camera on the Wi-Fi. The only thing I can't do is get my mother to hold her phone on a FaceTime view where I see more than this of her. <laughs> and I almost showed her picture, but I didn't get her permission. Everything seems to be so driven by this sense of Wi-Fi. I consulted Michael Snowden, our IT guy, and I got the very best router because I knew that everything depended upon that connection. You see, the router is your connection with the world and what's going on in your life. And this is a metaphorical reference to how we can see what does it mean? What is the important that God draws near to us? I never in my wildest dreams imagined that I would metaphorically compare the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one before whom every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to a wireless router. But that's what he is. As part of the triune Godhead, he was from the beginning. He is God. He is Logos in the Greek. Now, Jewish rabbis often referred to God, especially in the more personal accidents, in terms of his words. So in the mind of ancient Jew that would be hearing this, the phrase that the word of God could reference to God himself would ring true. 
And then you have in the Greek philosophers who saw the word logos as sort of a word of power that puts sense into the world. So when John opens up in the beginning was the word, the word was God, the word was with God. This is not accidental redaction. This is intentional because John was saying to both the Greeks and the Jews, look, what you've been talking and thinking and writing about, this logos, it is in the person of Jesus. John meets both the Jews and the Greeks where they are and explains Jesus in terms that made sense to the listener. But my friends, here is the challenge. It's not good enough just to have a Wi-Fi. You've got to be within range. You see, we got this fantastic Wi-Fi, this little thing called an Orbi that sits up in the front room. It's connected. It's fantastic unless you're at the back of the house. And now you have to get an extender. You look at your own phone when you go into places. The latest update with iPhone automatically connects you to your Wi-Fi connection so you're not on the 5G's. Technology is taking over your life and mine as well. But how often do we look and see, do I have enough bars? You see, it's one thing to talk about being distanced from God, but we're really talking about the connection with God. And if, if you're not close enough, have you ever done this? I simply ask, have you ever done this? Yeah. What are you looking for? Come on. What are you looking for, church? They're looking for some bars. And if you're a Kingwood United Methodist Church and you want to get a regular 5G signal, sometimes you got to do this. You walk around like this because you want to be connected somehow and you'll do odd things. It's the 21st century version of the rabbit ears. How many of you remember those, right? You had to get up. Sometimes you put aluminum foil. Raise your hand the church if you were the remote at your house. All right, put your hand down. Raise your hand if you ever had a set of vice grips that went on the dial on your TV because a little plastic thing broke. Yeah. Raise your hand if you ever had to stand there holding the little aluminum foil on the rabbit ear so it could come in, right? We search for these connections. Jesus is our connection to God. He is the one who is in the flesh. He is the one who comes near. You see, the problem isn't that, that God is distant from us. It's that we tend to put ourselves distant from God. And we are the ones that need to change our proximity. We need to spiritually look at how the signal strength is in our proximity to the one who will open blind eyes, who will heal the wounds, who will guide your life and bind you up and give you direction. G.K. Chesterton, in his poem, The House of Christmas, describes the state of the human soul in these words. He says, for men are homesick in their homes and strangers under the sun, and they lay their heads in a foreign land whenever the day is done. Oh, this is so true for us. It feels as if we're strangers even in the midst of our own homes. We feel some unexplained sense of homelessness or restlessness or disconnectedness. Why? Here's what Chesterton says. We have hands that fashion and heads that know, but our hearts we lost. Hear that again. We have hands that fashion and heads that know, 
but our hearts we lost. You see, somewhere along the way, we all have become distant from God. Not because of what God is doing and who God is, but because of where we are in life. And then Chesterton wraps up this poem in a beautiful way as he brings together the hope found in Joseph and Mary expected in Jerusalem and also this imagery we find in John. He says, as Mary and Joseph were moving to Bethlehem to an open house in the evening, home shall men come to an older place than Eden and taller town than Rome to the place where God was homeless and all are at home. Friends, this week, as you start a whole new year, as you and I begin the exhilarating journey to Bethlehem, every time you look down at the floor in your retail visits and you see a worn out sign of physical distancing, every time you look down at your phone or your tablet or your computer, every time you see that spinning little wheel that tells you it's waiting, it's waiting, or you're on your computer, every time you glance for where your signal strength is, I want you to ask this question. How does this moment reflect my relationship with God? How does this moment reflect my relationship with God? The good news of the gospel of Christ as we begin the Advent journey is that if the signal is weak, you can change where you are. If the signal is weak, you can change where you are. Let's pray together. God, as we embark on this journey of Advent, as we all seek to look for the things that are familiar and return life to some degree of familiarity, would you help us not kneel at the altar of what is normal? Because, God, there's some things we don't want to go back to the way it was. But what we do want is the timeless truth that you created us to be in relationship with you and with each other. Help us to undistance ourselves. Help us to find time in the busyness of our calendars to be present with you. In moments when we can't get a bar on the phone because of a Wi-Fi signal or a tower issue, would you help us see those as divine moments of intervention where we can be present with you in the silence? And thank you, God, for a love that comes and seeks, finds, and dwells with us. Thank you, God, for coming into our world and for loving each of us to life eternal in the person of Christ, Emmanuel, God who is with us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people did say, amen. As we seek to embark into the world on this day, continuing our Advent journey, we'll stand in just a moment for our closing hymn of faith. The most important thing to us is that 
you are choosing to change where you are and grow in your relationship with Christ. If you haven't found that place to connect in a small group or a place of service, or if you don't have a church home, the most important thing to us is that you're a follower of Christ. But if you do not have a church home, we would want to welcome you to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Talk to either Clint or me or Matt, and we'll be happy to discuss with you what that would look like. But friends, nobody in the world's life, no, no one's life in the world was changed because we came to church. But all the face of the world will change if we will be the church in the world. <laughs>